Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Hokey pokey. Hokey pokey? Um, hocus pocus. Yes. Hokey pokey, hocus pocus. <laughs> Guess where. Okay. Anybody who's listening to this, I have a test for you. Where does hocus pocus take place? What is the town, the name of the town? Can I We're going to give them five seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. Okay, Peyton, go ahead. Salem. Salem. What state is Salem in? Uh, I don't know. You don't know? Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's where all the witch trials were. Oh, well, that's where all the witch trials in um, America were. But something really cool happened tonight, didn't it? What did I do on the computer tonight? What did I buy? Oh, tickets to Salem. Tickets to Salem. Peyton, I'm going to Salem for work in December. And we decided as a family that Peyton's coming with us. That's so cool. And you know what else is cool about that? Well, for you anyways. You're going to miss, well, I think you have two weeks off of school in December for Christmas and um, New Year's. But then you're also going to be able to do homeschool for extra days because we're going to leave on a Thursday. So you'll miss a Thursday, a Friday. And then we're going to fly home on a Monday. So you'll miss a Thursday, Friday, Monday. So you'll miss extra three days. Cool. Pretty cool, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, your friends are going to be so excited to hear all about the witch town, huh? And it's going to be decked out in Christmas. I'm so excited. Are you excited? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have like witch, a place where you can take witch pictures. You can make your own broom. Oh my gosh, there's so many cool things. Okay. Let's skadoodly boodly chapter nine, guys. Okay. Allison wanted to check the kiln for debris, but Max worried that seeking the witches, smoking bodies would scar Danny for the rest of her life. Um, rude. We're recording. Jeez. That is rude. Huh, Peyton? Oh my gosh. Gee, many Christmas. All right. Instead, the two of them decided to put the kiln on a longer second cycle, hoping that the Sandersons would have mostly turned into ash by morning. They'd sneak back the next day or, t- the next day or Sunday to clean it out, and by Monday morning, no one would have any idea what happened in the arts wing. Max turned to Danny, and then, who had moved far away from the kiln, do- the door when the witches had started to burn, she held Binks so close to her, petting him and kissing him on the top of his head. It's done, Max said to her. And then the words sank in and Danny beamed up. Really? He ran over to scoop her up, spinning around, nearly knocking her over an unfired ceramic skull that someone had made. Really, he said, softly against the side of his little sister's head. His own body relaxed, and then, as the adrenaline seemed to pour out of it, Allison walked over and put one hand on each of his shoulders, which sent him butterflies careening through his digestive system.
Let's go home, she said. She was looking for Danny, but it sent a happy shiver down Max's spine. Allison took Max's hand when Danny set when he sat down Danny and they all slipped out of the Aw, they're holding hands, and they all slipped out of the school, breaking into a run as they neared the ironwork gate. Danny whooped, and the sound of her celebrating made it all feel so real to Max, too. Farewell, Winifred Sanderson, shouted Binks, leaping from Danny's arm to the rain-slicked streets and racing about and unlike, racing about not unlike a dog after its own tail. Max grabbed Allison around the waist, spinning her, and then set her down and gave Danny a big kiss on the cheek. Danny squealed, but Danny, his sister, but didn't push him away. Instead, she grabbed his face and kissed him on the forehead, grinning. Binks dashed away, and leading the jubilant kids down the block. Leaves fell around them like confetti and orange and brown golds. They crossed into a park, and Allison looked off after Danny towards the grassy field where Danny could see the show off her handstands and cartwheels. Max relaxed against the park fence and looked up at Binks, who had settled onto a nearby branch of an oak tree. We did it, Binks, he said, grinning. We stopped them. I've wanted to do that for 300 years, said Binks, thoughtfully. He paused and then added, ever since they took Emily. Max's smile faded into a serious look. He turned to face Binks, whose silhouette was against the opalescent moon. You really miss her, don't you? he asked. Binks looked away without answering, but Max could see the pain and self-loathing knitted across his small furry face. Man, you can't keep blaming yourself for that, Max said. That happened so long ago. Binks narrowed, narrowed, Binks's narrowed shoulders lifted in a small shrug. Take Take good care of Danny, Max, he said. You'll never know how precious she is until you lose her. He leapt out of the tree and headed across the park, slipping into the shadows. Hey, Binks, called Max, straightening. The cat turned and looked at him. His eyes seemed to glow yellow in the light. Where do you think you're going, Max asked, walking around. You're a denizen now, buddy. You're one of us. Come on, Binks, called Danny in the clearing. Let's go home. Home? Binks repeated wistfully. He glanced from Max to Danny and then scurried her after her as she linked one of her arms through Allison's hand and headed back to the sidewalk. Max watched them saunter ahead of them. He thought about how he hated Salem as soon as his parents had announced their move, even before he knew anything about the town or their house or Allison Watts. Home, he said, and the words sounded weird to him, but it also sounded right. Max caught up with the others and led the way home. He could tell that Danny was getting sleepy because she kept repeating herself and because her eyes stayed closed for a little too long when she blinked. He looked at her hand and then passed by Town Hall where the pumpkin ball was still going strong. The lead singer's vocals poured through the open doors. Jump magic, jump, dance magic, dance. Getting back until the kiln tomorrow was going to be easy, Allison said wryly. All the adults are going to be asleep until lunchtime. Max yawned to, into the crook of his arm. That didn't sound so bad. He that doesn't sound so bad. He uh, he said. Allison smiled to him and she shook her head. When they reached the Denison house, the lights inside were still out. Max unlocked the door as Danny checked the bowl of candy that they left on the porch. Oh man, she grumbled. Only almond joys are left. Oh, Allison, I know. I like them too. Allison pat, patted her back reassuringly. Don't worry. You can have whatever's left at my house. Promise. Only if your brother brings you over tomorrow, Allison said, smiling at Max. Danny rolled her eyes. There better be Twix bars if I'm coming for you two. 
Mom? Max asked, leading the girls inside. Dad? He flipped on the lights. His parents' coats were nowhere to be found, nor were his mom's keys, which she always had trouble tracking down despite dropping them on the entry table each time she came home. His dad had left behind, hey, somebody who can't keep track of their keys? That sounds familiar. Mm -hmm. I can't keep track of my keys either. His dad had left behind a Swiss army knife, though, and Max plucked it up and pocketed it just in case. He had the feeling that after their night, he'd be paranoid of witches for the rest of his life. We got a new cat, Danny said, pushing past him. Mom? Max took. Max looked at, Den- at Allison. Well, I guess they're still partying, partying, he said, stepping out of her way. Come on. Then they went into Max's room. Wait, a new cat? What happened to the old one? They never had one. She said, we got a new cat. I don't yeah, know. Like, a new cat. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Nothing happened. No, there was never a cat. Then they went to Max's room because Danny always liked to to sleep where she was. Also, wait, sleep there when she was anxious. In the movie, um, the, the she gives him milk, and cats are actually lactose intolerant. Yeah, you're not supposed to give cats milk, huh? What do you, you can give them goat milk. Goat milk is actually okay, I think. She said, "I don't quote me on that." If anybody has cats, I I just think that Google it. Danny gave Binks a bowl of milk. There, there it is. You're right. Before slipping under Max's covers. You're my kitty now, she said, petting Binks's head. You'll have milk and tuna fish every day, and you'll only hunt mice for fun. You're going to turn into one of those... F- I'm going to turn... Or you're going to turn me into one of those fat, useless, contented house cats, Binks said. Danny giggled. You betcha. Allison chuckled. <laughs> yep. Allison chuckled watching them. She and Max were sitting on a pile of pillows near the staircase that led into the bedroom's loft. Allison grabbed a nearby blanket and wrapped it over her shoulders and then leaned into Max. He was sure that the sudden accelerated acceleration in his heartbeat would start, startle her, but her breathing was soft and steady. He wrapped one arm around her gingerly, afraid to disturb her, and she pressed her cheek more firmly against his chest. He wanted to touch her hair, but he was afraid that he might be too forward. Instead, he tucked his fingers around her elbow and thought about how she might he might ask her on a proper first date. Part of them part of him still wanted to take her to the hill of the graveyard that overlooked the harbor where he went to think. But after all they'd been through it would seem a little bit creepy. Maybe he'd take her to a movie like Danny suggested. Aw, look, Danny's sleeping with the kitty. Cute. You know, Binks, Danny said sleepily as the cat finished his milk and leapt up to snuggle in her arms. I'll always take care of you. My children will take care of you too. And then their children after that, and then theirs after that. Forever and ever, she trailed off. Then when Max looked over, he saw that she was fast asleep. That's cool, huh? Aw, I want a forever cat. In the cold, in the cool October night, huh? We all do. I know. Why can't we have a forever cat? on the cool october night wisps of vapor of the color of moss green algae or fresh growth of an old branch filtered across the moon's full face the vapor slipped through the low-hanging clouds but didn't become part of them and after a few minutes the vapor began (sighs) to fall back to the earth as if weighed down by the condensation that had been begun to bead on the grass blades and the window glass it funneled down the chimney of of Jacob Bailey High School's 
kiln, and when every last breath of it was inside of it and whirled, it churned and knocked down the reinforced metal door. Winifred strode out of the kiln, hackling and baiting the smoke still hanging in the air. Hello, she muttered testily. I want my book. Bonjour, <laughs> je vais mon livre, she said. <laughs> The thing said, I want my book. It taught her how to say, I want my book. So she said it in French. Her hair was even wilder and wirier than before, and the grin plastered on her face was murderous. But she otherwise looked just the same as when those bratty kids first trapped her. Her, sister fo- her sisters followed her out of the broken kiln in a similar condition, Sarah trying desperately to wipe the black ash from her sleeves and skirt. Find them, Winifred ordered, turning to Mary. What? The boy and that blasted girl, she said, and that child with the wretched cat. They have my book, and that book is our last chance to stay in this world. Find them. I I don't know, stuttered Mary. You don't know, Winifred said scornfully. Well, Winifred, everything smells like smoke now. What are you good for, then, Winifred said. Well, I, well, I don't know. I'm sure I'm still your sister, Winnie. She, she quailed under the look that Winifred gave her. Never mind, she yelped. I didn't mean it. Spinning away, Winifred swung angrily at the nearest sculpture and grabbing the cobalt blue vase and throwing it onto the concrete door as the vase shuddered into deep pieces Winifred groaned just find them she said over her ash dusted shoulder the night had grown quiet and it was so late that all of the children in in Salem were tucked into bed so late in fact that their babysitters had fallen asleep as well drifting off as they waited for their employers to come back from town hall pumpkin ball I'm afraid they won't I'm afraid they won't either As a result, the town felt deserted and eerie beneath the harsh light of its own street lamps. Jay and Ernie didn't seem to notice, however. Long-haired Jay perched on the hood of an old black sedan, while stocky Ernie leaned against the front bumper, wrapping his fun-sized candy bar, unwrapping fun-sized candy bar after fun-sized candy bar and stuffing himself silly. Toilet paper cascaded around them. Why don't they stay at the... I don't forget her name. Allison's? Yeah, Allison's house. Thought mm, maybe her his house was closer. Which actually, when you know where Salem is and like how close everything is, their house is in a completely different town. So Allison House would be technically way closer. Their house is like a ten minute drive, and Allison's Allison's house is like right off of downtown. Wow. You'll see. We'll see it all. But good question. Um, Ernie, let's see, unwrapping fun size parts. Okay, toilet paper cascaded around them from the branches of the sycamore tree that had mostly shedded its leaves for winter. The boys knew that the local cops would unfairly presume them guilty if a stranger's house or worse, a classmate's ended up decked out this way. So instead, they TP'd Jade out. They TP'd Jay's house in the morning. His parents would just look disappointed and point them towards the stepladder. You want to smash pumpkins, Jay asked, toying with his half-empty roll of toilet paper. Nah, Ernie said, around the mouthful of chocolate. Well, then you want to look at the windows and watch babes undress? Ew. Ew. It's three o'clock, Ernie said. They're undressed already. Okay, these kids are pervs, and they're bad kids. Just bad. 
Jay flung the paper away. Well then, you think you think of something. I don't feel so good. Well, that's because you're eating too much candy, you oinker, Jay said, smacking the last late, the latest bar from Ernie's hand. He hated when Ernie got this way, so fixated on one thing, and usually a thing that was totally boring and didn't involve Jay at all. The witches saw the boys before the boys saw the witches. Mary, who had been desperately sniffing the air for what felt like two hours, was probably merely minutes, was the was most excited to spot them. The boy, Winnie, the boy, Winnie, she hissed, tugging on her redhead sister's sleeve. Are you sure that's the right one? Winifred asked. Mary was not, but she knew that Winifred did not like insecurity. I am, she said. It must be. It must be, Winifred said. It or it is? It must be or it is? It is, Mary said with more conviction than she felt. Good, said Winifred. Her voice grew darker and more vindictive. The girl who has trapped us in the firebox is mine. I'll teach her a lesson and burn her, burn a witch. Oh, try and teach her a lesson and burn a witch. Jay and Ernie were, were to an outside observer, old enough to be more than boys, but the night but the night was heading towards dawn and the Sanderson sisters were not eager to discriminate. The witches crept up behind them, as did Sarah as they did, Sarah danced through the soft waving curls of the white paper, spinning and smiling. Mary homed in on the strongest scent of the street. Without the second without a second thought, she pressed her nose against the larger boy's left foot. Ew. <laughs> Yo, witch, Ernie said, smacking her with Max Dennison's nearly empty candy bag. Get your face off my shoes. Mary scuttled backwards, fixing her hair. Oh, she said, frightened more of Winifred than this boy with the strange hair and useless weapon. Oh, wrong boy. Sorry, Winnie. Sarah plucked up a scrap of toilet paper and swung it about, watching the thin material make exquisite shapes as as it caught the air. Winifred threw her hands up. Why, why, why was I cursed with such idiot sisters? She demanded Sarah do a little twirl. Just lucky, I guess. <laughs> you hear what she said? Mm-hmm. Why do I have such idiot sisters? And Sarah was like, just lucky, I guess. <laughs> just lucky, I guess. Mary snorted she could, before she could stop herself, and Winifred let out a tearless sob. The three sisters turned away to try and find their original targets. Oh man, said Jay, how come it always, how come it's always the ugly chicks that stay out this late? One by one, the Sandersons turned. Sarah, in particular, looked looked prepared to turn someone into a box turtle or a slug. Something slow in the road and sweet on the tongue. Chicks, prompted Winifred. Winifred managed to bring the boys to their knees, and thanks to a particularly well-delivered lightning bolt, she gave them over to her sisters, who dragged up the road, dragged up the road to their house in the woods. Once there, she summoned two of her favorite cages from the closet. They had once housed Winifred's prized Phoenix twins. I think they thought it was rude. Oh. Like oh yeah, chicken, chicken. Yeah, maybe. Oh. Yeah. Um, they'd once housed Winifred's, Winifred's prized Phoenix twins, the ones Mary set free out of pity of the age of 12. Winifred was happy to have them empty now. 
for she shoved one boy into each cage and sealed the doors with iron locks. The cages crackled with electricity as she used her magic to rehang the huge iron on their <sighs> on their ceiling hooks. The impertinent boys wept and pled for their pity without pause. Winifred ignored them. Their suffering would teach them not to disrespect those their elders, even if they wouldn't have much more time to live out that lesson. We haven't have we haven't much time left, she said. Shall we? We we shall have to make the potion from memory. Okay, let us out of here," whimpered Jay, the blonde boy who had been who had told Sarah his name Sarah, well, who had told Sarah that his name was Jay. Um, yeah, said the other boy who called himself Ernie. We're really sorry. You th- we think you're really cute. We think you're really cute, Jay added with an effort, hoping to win them over. Hush, snapped Winifred. She began to pace. I can't think, she muttered to herself. Remember, remember, the two other sin- sisters chanted in, a, in low voices trailing across the room. She hated when they did that, but both were actually stupidly convinced that it worked. Remember, Winnie, remember. Now I remember, Winifred cried, whirling around. Mary and Sarah gasped and jumped back. I was here, Winifred said, ignoring them. She pointed to where the podium stood. The book was there. You, Mary, you were here. Mary beamed and at being remembered. Sarah, you're in the back, Winifred added, fluttering her hands dismissively, dancing idiotically. <laughs> and the book, she said. Mary leaned in. Yes, I remember it like it was yesterday, Winifred said, grinning. Yes, oil of boil, Winifred recited. The long nail of her pointer finger danced through the air as if reading the spell. A dead man's nose. Toe. Yep. Jay and Ernie exchanged a suffering look. Nose, Ernie mouthed. Jay cringed. This is why old ladies, is this why the old ladies had kidnapped them to turn them into potion ingredients? Dead man's toe, oh, dead man's toes, Sarah crowed. She's trying to concentrate, said Mary, shooting her a snap. She shrugged and wandered off, nibbling her lucky rat tail. <clears throat> no, his thumb, said Winifred softly. Thumb, asked Mary. Ernie chewed anxiously at his left thumbnail. Or what is it, or what is it, his gums, said Winifred. A dead man's buns? Buns, Mary said, buns. Sounds like mums, Winifred said, hopefully. Mums, funs, funs, chungs, Winifred said, chungs, Lungs. chungs, Jay said, turning to give Ernie a startled, anxious look. Ernie, Ernie grew his finger across his neck to make Jay shut up. Dead man's chungs, he said breathlessly. No, said Mary, there's no such thing as chungs. Winifred made a helpless sound. You're right. I am, said Mary. Then with a more, more certainty, I'm right. It's no use, said Winifred. I don't remember the other other ingredients. I, I, I have to get my book. Behind her, Sarah grabbed the base of Jay's cage and spun it, making him whimper and clutch the hammered, the hammered iron bars. She giggled. Winifred went to the kitchen and retrieved the black flame candle, which had been merely flickering the whole night. Behold, sisters, she lamented. The candle burns to a stub. Soon our spell will be spent and we will have wasted our last chance. 
Curtains, Mary whispered, finally putting together Winifred's earlier rant. My dress is made of curtains, Sarah said. And before trading Jay's cage for Ernie's, twirling in the other direction, Winifred stalked past both of her sisters and threw open the nearest window. She leaned out and reached, released a high-pitched keen. Book! Remember she does like the annoying thing? Her shoulders sagged. Come home, she pleaded, or make thyself known. Mary petted her back as Winifred dissolved into fits of sobs. It's kind of sad that she, it's like, her book's like her friend, honestly, huh? Mm-hmm. Aw. Too bad she's a bad guy. Okay, how many pages is this? Let's see, do we do one more? Oh, no, thank you. Okay, let's see. Mm, no, we're going to stop here because I'm tired. Honestly, it's 10.13. I had to get up. I had actually had to get up at five today because I had a six o'clock meeting. Did you know that? Ugh. Oh, you told me. Yeah. I'm going to tell you ten more times because I'm sad for myself because it was so early. Okay, guys. Have a wonderful night. Or actually morning. You'll probably listen to this in the morning. Have a wonderful morning.